0: Good morning, this is John Murtha with 89.1 Power FM Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. We want to welcome everybody that's tuned in today. I'm sitting in the station with uh, station owner and manager and engineer, Mark Ballard. Good morning, Mark. Hey,
1: good morning, good morning.
0: And my good friend and assistant, David Abu. David. Good morning,
1: John, good to be here.
0: It's very good to be here on this actually a balmy, uh, I think it it's 35 degree weather out there in You know, we always open up by saying this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. But really, this is the year that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And as we kick off this new year, uh, we're very happy for this radio station and for everybody that listens in on a Saturday morning. If you want to call in, you might have a question or some insight or something you want to share. Our number here is 440-399-3044. That's four four zero three nine nine three zero four four, 399 3044 Or uh, you want to, might want to live stream, and that's www.wnzn.org. Www-wnzn, so, David, I thought today we would start off and I, with one of the most incredible books in the Bible, Old or New Testament. And that's the book of Isaiah. Yes. Uh, some consider <clears throat> it, uh, they call it the Gospel of Isaiah because it has some of the most prophecies and predictions about the coming Messiah perhaps more so than any other book in the Old Testament other than the book of Psalms. It talks about his virgin birth. It talks about his deity. It talks about he is a king. He will do uh, miracles. It talks about his death, uh, his coming again. All of these things are contained within this uh, book of Isaiah. And what makes Isaiah interesting on several levels, it's written 720 years before Jesus' birth, but it's, they call it the mini Bible because there's 66 chapters in this book. And of course, there's 66 books in the Bible, and there's 39 books in the Old Testament. Well, chapters 1 through 39 in Isaiah is heavy on judgment and warning and a call to repentance, much like the Old Testament message. But from chapter 40 onward, it's about this coming servant, this coming Messiah, and it's going to end with a new heaven and a new earth, just like the book of Revelation ends. But so too, Isaiah ends at the end of his in chapter 65 with a new heaven and a new earth. So we're going to look at the way this thing is structured, which is an easy way to understand it and to remember it. Now, one of the things that was very interesting, I I know, David, you've done some study on this, is the Dead Sea Scrolls. 1947, uh, the year that Israel actually became a nation again, uh, some little Bedouin shepherds uh, south of uh, Jerusalem, not far from the Dead Sea, were trying to search out some goats that had kind of wandered off, and they thought they may have went into this little cave. And the shepherd boy threw some stones in, and he heard a clink on something. He heard a clinking noise, and when he went in, he found these clay vessels, and within those <clears throat> vessels were scrolls or parchments, and that would be considered maybe the greatest archaeological, biblical archaeological discovery ever. And, uh, <clears throat> and you might want to yeah, we might want to fill us in <clears throat> on that, David.
1: Sure. So um, it's basically. Uh, it included 40,000 scroll fragments that were found in uh, jars in 11 different caves. Uh, all the scrolls were produced prior to 67 to 73 AD, uh, time of first Jewish and Roman war. Literally 2,000 years ago, th- these scrolls were put together. Uh, a complete manuscript of Isaiah written in Hebrew about 100 BC, 1,000 years earlier than the oldest known Hebrew text is contained. Uh, There's a complete scroll of Isaiah uh, as I mentioned that was found in cave one There's no New Testament book scrolls found it. That was too early obviously John Mm -hmm. but uh, William Albright the Dean of American Archaeology called it the greatest manuscript discovery of modern times and I think we would have to agree with them so um, the extent of the copies of the books Uh, are significant. Um, It helps us increase our knowledge base uh, from the Hebrew text from 1,000 to 800 BC, which was the time we traced our present Hebrew Bible. I think the amazing thing for me is the accuracy of the scrolls, John. Uh, You know, a couple archaeologists have said that it is 98.8% accurate from the current. The current New Testament that we read today is exactly the same text that was found 2000 years ago so when Jesus was reading the book of Isaiah it's identical to what we were reading today which is absolutely phenomenal so it really then helps us tie into the fact that what we're reading today is really the word of God and it's consistent and uh, accurate
0: it's a good that's a good intro on the uh, dead sea scrolls david and like you say what made this so important it it, it contained Partial or fragment or whole documents of Old Testament books, every book in the Old Testament except the book of Esther. But it was the book of Isaiah or the scroll of Isaiah that was a completed uh, 24-foot long scroll. Uh, It's the most complete scroll that was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. And again, to our point, when I introduced uh, in the show that Isaiah is so important because of how it presents God, the condition of man and and the coming messiah so again many people will say to you well the bible's been changed you might have heard this over thousands of years it's been changed it's been altered but what the dead sea scrolls showed us was that it hasn't been changed there's intrinsic (laughs) accuracy absolutely that the bible we hold in our hands today is essentially uh, unchanged there was very little change in the text when they look at. This thing is like you say, 100, 200 years before Christ, mm-hmm. and so with that kind of accuracy in terms of transmission or going from one generation to another, it's astounding. It is, you know, that the Bible yeah. has not been changed. Yeah. And so uh, you can actually go to Jerusalem today and see this in a museum. Uh, these scrolls and these fragments, but you can see the Isaiah scroll is unraveled, and you can actually see it under glass in, in Israel today.
1: Yeah, and John, you know the other thing. You know, just to make this clear for those folks that aren't familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls, the accuracy of the scriptures really is what this is all about. That's really what you always search for. And from from what we know, there's no historical, geographical, or scientific errors in the Bible based on what the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, you know, have taught us. And and that's absolutely amazing, John.
0: Yeah, and so now when you get into this, uh, we'll touch on the Dead Sea Scrolls in a little bit because, uh, again, it's relationship to what we're studying today in the book of Isaiah. But when you go to Isaiah, you'll see that this man lived, like I said, approximately 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And he reigns within the span of four major kings at his time. And if you understand, Israel back then when they came into the promised land of course you had King Saul and King David and King Solomon it was under King Solomon that it was a united country Israel was right. a united country yeah. but because of his intermarriages because of uh, for, uh, a lot of reasons disobedient not keeping the covenant of God when he died Israel was split you had the northern kingdom what's called Israel and you had the southern one which is called Judah which is, which is where Jerusalem is but the Assyrians, a very powerful nation at that time, swept down and they took captivity, destroyed the northern. And so what, what, what Isaiah is doing is he's prophesying uh, to the southern kingdom, you have to get right with God. You have to repent. You can't go into idolatry and immorality and all that. You have to serve God. If you do that, he will bless and protect you. If you don't do that, you're going to be judged and part of that judgment he would allow foreign powers ie Babylon uh, almost a hundred years later to come down and basically take them into captivity so that sets up the book when it opens up and you can see if you read uh, verse 1 and 2 David in Isaiah it'll give a sense of uh,
1: Isaiah what which book
0: chapter one and if you look at verse one and two it kind of sets the scene uh, for what's going on
1: okay one second.
0: Again, our number here, if anyone wants to call, is four four zero three nine nine three zero four four. And, of course, if you want to live stream us, it's www.wnzn.org. WNZN.org. Okay,
1: David. Okay, Jan. So Isaiah 1, 1-3. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, jotham ahaz and hezekiah kings of judah hear me you heavens listen earth for the lord has spoken i reared children and brought them up but they have rebelled against me
0: mm-hmm. well, maybe verse three
1: the ox knows its master the donkey its owner its owners ma- monger but israel does not know my, my people do not understand okay, okay. very
0: good day thank yeah. you so right away you see it's set in a historical context. Right, it's at the time of. Uh, it te- first of all, it tells us he's he's the son of Amos, and then it says um, he's he's prophesying to Judah and mm-hmm. Jerusalem. That's the Southern Kingdom, and it's during the reigns of Uzziah, uh, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings. Of, it's like it's like it'd be a, if you had a ministry during a, yeah. the presidential terms of Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. and then. Um, Uh, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, he's putting us in a time frame, but it's this idea he has a vision. And the prophets of God would have a vision or a word that say, the word of the Lord came to me. So what he's going to express in the following 66 chapters is what God has shown to him. Now, prophecy in the scripture, we always think of it's predictive. You know, it's going to prophesy something 500 years out. Well, prophecy has a twofold meaning, David. Number one, it is predictive. It tells when the Messiah comes to be born in Bethlehem. But it's also simply speaking God's word at that time to his people. You right. see, it's a pronouncement, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's it's God-authored. It's, it comes from God. And so what's the main problem here, verse 2? He says, hear, O heavens, and hear, give ear, O earth. He's calling the heavens and the earth to be witnesses. Yeah. And in capital punishment trials, you'd always have to have at least two witnesses. But here he's calling heaven and earth I like that yeah. and at the end of isaiah <laughs> what do you see a new heaven and a new earth yes so he's saying i want you to witness to this the lord has spoken there's that prophetic i have nourished and brought uh brought up children in other words god's taken care of israel mm-hmm. he's protected them and they have rebelled against me this is the problem okay and he says he compares us to animals he says animals are better he says the ox knows its owner The donkey, it's master's crib, but Israel does not know my people. They don't reflect on what God has done for them. You see what I'm saying? You think of a dog. People have a pet dog. Well, why do people have pet dogs? Because you come to the door, it's wagging its tail, it barks. A a good dog will listen to what you say. He doesn't have complaints against you. You know, he's dependent upon Mm -hmm. you. But he's saying an animal knows its owner. You know, somebody says everybody should have a dog that adores them and a cat that ignores them. But a dog, a dog, you know, it always is there. Say, yeah. You know, the dog. He's saying yeah. the animal knows. But this is the problem with man today. We right. think we're on this earth. Yeah, we're enjoying life, yeah. having family and yeah. friends. Oh, what, why be concerned with God? What you, you know? what I mean, man doesn't. And he's saying that to ancient Israel, and that opens up the scroll, and we're going to get to this. God does not want to judge these people. God does not want to bring His wrath. He it's constant one of warning. But look at these children. I mean, look at the following look what he says about them in verse in verse four. Go ahead, John. Okay. Ahead. He says, a sinful nation, laden or heavy laden with a brood of evildoers, children who are corrupt. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger. The Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. See, he's describing now how they turn from God. And he introduces this term Holy One of Israel, that's a very important title of God huh, in, yeah. the, in the book of Isaiah. That and the term Zion, or the city of Zion, is, which is Jerusalem, which is Israel. Those are going to be things that are constant throughout this manuscript, right? But the Holy One of Israel, you'll see this over 26 times in the book of Isaiah, that will be used of Jesus that in the New Testament. That's why when Jesus casts the demons out in Mark chapter 1, the demons cry out, what do we have to do with thee, thou holy one of Israel?
1: Ah. So
0: we're gonna see this connection. Okay. Got it. Yeah. But but look at how he describes them. Yep. A brood of evildoers, a children who are corruptors, forsaken. They've done they you know, they've turned away, they've gone backwards. That's where we get the word today, backsliding. Do you ever hear this term? Yeah. Oh, He's sure. backsliding. Absolutely. Well you can't be backslidden unless you went forward at some time in your spiritual life. Yeah. You see? But the backslide. Somebody's compared to Christian life to riding a bike uphill. You got to keep pedaling. <laughs> you're you're not going to just stay neutral. You're going to start no. slipping backwards. About right. Absolutely. <laughs> oh boy, are you right. Uh, so now he's saying, uh, he basically saying, look, you're you're look at verse what he says about him in
1: verse five. Well, why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart afflicted. yeah keep going from the sole of your foot to the top of your head there is no soundness only wounds and welts and open sores not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil
0: he's given a spiritual a a spiritual description you know Mm -hmm. he's saying from head to foot you got problems your Mm -hmm. whole life is you know he's basically given a diagnostic here yeah that he says you are in big trouble here but it's not his intention. The Bible clearly says, As I live as saith the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is willing, not one that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. But he's saying, here's who you are. these They were going into idolatry. They were going into divorce. They were going into immorality. All of this stuff. But here, here's where he says you're going to end up. He says in verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear how the uh, uh, of our God you people of Gomorrah. He's comparing it to the Old Testament cities of Sodom that were just scorched earth. Right. Their sin caused them to be uh, totally uh, wiped out of God, right? Yes. He says, that that's, that's where you're headed to, but he doesn't want that. And so he sets up this advice. He gives them this um, encouragement. Look at verse uh, 16. He's going to sure. list practical things they can do to get right with him.
1: Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. See,
0: he's got real practical points of repentance. John the Baptist does similar. It's not just that, oh, I want to be right with God. I got to change my life. Good
1: moral conduct.
0: Good moral conduct is That's what this is about. He's not conceptual or theoretically seen. Right. Don't, you know, maybe that's book, eat this, don't eat that, eat mm-hmm. this. In other words, he's saying, don't do this anymore, do this. Don't do this anymore, do this. It's kind of, but here I consider one of the greatest verses of the book of Isaiah, maybe the whole Bible in many ways, because it shows the heart of God and the heart of us sinners. But look what it says in verse 18. I know you like this verse, David.
1: Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool.
0: Okay, what does yeah. that tell you about God?
1: Oh, he's all-forgiving.
0: He's all-forgiving. It almost is a picture yes. of like the, the prodigal son-father, mm-hmm. or a father that whose son did wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's saying to him, come here, let's talk this over. You know, it, it, yeah. it's a, see this word come? It shows all through the Bible that we serve an invitational God. Yes, He says to Noah, come. Come on into the ark. It's prepared for you. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, you'll see yeah. this theme that God is not running from us or far away from us, but he wants us like the prodigal son's father. Come back to me. Come back to me. It's not harsh language here, but we if we refuse it, that's when things mm. get rough. He says, come now, let us reason together. Did you know our faith is reasonable? If people really look at the Christian faith, it's reasonable. It answers life's biggest questions. It offers the best explanation for human existence. Did you ever think about that? No, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Because there's four basic issues, questions man has always had about life and existence mm-hmm. on this planet. Number one, origin. How did this whole thing start? Mm-hmm. How did it all begin? Was it a big bang? Mm-hmm. Was it an explosion? Whatever. Number two, meaning. Does life have purpose? Does it have a sure. higher meaning? Yeah. Or is it just... You do 70, 80 years here, you check out. My atheist friend says it's like you turn the TV off, it's over, right? Right. Then then morality. What's my? Is it wrong to cheat? Is it wrong to steal? Is it wrong to do this? Is there a code of morality? And number four, very important, is destiny. What happens when we die? Those four questions you'll run through all religions and philosophies. Christianity offers your best answer to each one of That's those. That's an excellent point. Origin, oh, yeah. yep. created by yep. God through the Word of God in an orderly mm-hmm. fashion. Meaning, does life have meaning? It has high meaning. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, our, our purpose is to glorify God, to know God, and to get ready for eternity. Morality, high morality. He says it's not if you just kill your your neighbor. It's if in your heart. Right. You see if what I'm you saying? That. Yep. Pray for those that deceitfully use you. Do good. Don't get vengeance. You know, it's high morality. And number four, destiny. Mm-hmm. Bible says, I have not seen or ear heard what great things God has prepared. So all those four things, Christianity answers.
1: Yeah, totally. you know, uh, I think, you know, when we first got on the walk together, John, my walk in the Lord, you brought that up to me. And uh, the more I get into the Bible, you know, I, I'm really starting to see that. Because before, even with business, I would get all these books to figure out, you know, how to lead, right. you know, the top CEOs, this that, and the other thing. And um, one of the things that people um, you know, say is God doesn't, Jesus doesn't really know anything about your business. But what's fascinating is when you take a look at the Bible, he knows everything. When you take a look at the Bible, the way that he was able to get the disciples on board is they were out fishing one day and they, they weren't catching any fish, they were exhausted, they came to shore, Jesus said, go back out. They looked at him like he was you know, right. out of his mind. Right. And then what happened? The nets were overflowing they were breaking, they called for more help. He knows everything about your business. He has everything figured out if you start to walk in the light. I'm finding that out right now where before I'd I'd read books for case studies, you're right, this book has everything for business, everything for life, everything for self-help. It's all there. I didn't know that at first, and and I'm continuing to be amazed of of how it also has implications in business. it's all it's all consistent
0: you're right David one day we're gonna do a special show on that but we're gonna show how the world has taken biblical principles that we should grasp and they use them and it works I'll give you an example number one one of the biggest things in business today is mentoring am I right Mm -hmm. an older executive gets two or three guys and and they hang out and he mentors them Mm -hmm. well Jesus gave us that it's called discipleship the second thing that's big in the world today is franchising look at McDonald's look at all these things right What was Paul and the apostles doing when they were going through the Roman world with these little churches? They were franchising. They were planting churches that would make other churches. The other thing is the whole thing with networking. Networking is extremely big in the 20th century business world. Well, people meeting people to advance and help each other, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in the biblical times, that was called fellowship. They've taken, we'll go through a whole program on this. We'll show you how Jesus says, the children of this world are wiser than the children of the kingdom. Yeah. Because they've taken biblical principles we let slip and they incorporate it. And because they're truthful or they're based on the word of God, they work.
1: You know, that, that, that's the amazing thing, John. So now, you know, what I'm reading now is Lead Like Christ. Mm-hmm. You also gave me the book, um, Not a Carpenter Son. More than a carpenter. And so before, I'd be looking for the Harvard Business Review books. Now I'm searching for those books because I'm starting to see that it, not, it doesn't just work with your Christian faith. It's not isolated there. It's not isolated on how to raise your family and be the head of the house. It's consistent through life. That's I, I really want to impress that upon everybody. Those are the books I'm re- searching for and reading now.
0: Right. It it, it, it the works. Other ones. Yeah. Yeah. we we'll, and like I said, we'll do a yeah. whole show on that. Sure. Yeah.
1: We'll, we'll, that, not to go off topic, but it's important as we talk about. it. I think you're yeah. exa- okay. so. He says,
0: "Come, let us reason together," says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, see, scarlet back at that time was one of the deepest colors, mm. and it often representative of sin yeah. or blood. Right. Okay. Think of the uh, Hawthorne's famous uh, novel, this, uh, the Scarlet Letter. Remember the lady had to wear the, the uh, A on her skin. Scarlet. scarlet often has this this connotation of uh, uh, sin, a deep, deep, deep stain of sin. He says, "It shall be what as white as snow." snow. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about snow is it comes down from heaven above, it comes down gently, softly, and covers and and but it covers completely now it's this most purest thing snow is covering this darkest thing scarlet now uh, and then he says uh think of this i always use this analogy if you had a brand new uh cadillac uh just one of the best cars out there okay in a car lot a new car lot, and next door was a junkyard and it had these old dilapidated and and one day it snowed really heavy And you went by, and all you see was these big big clumps of snow. Could you tell which was a junk car and which was a new car? That's like our lives. Some of us were more junk cars than others, okay? But what I'm saying is when we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, God doesn't see our sinfulness. He sees Christ's righteousness. That's why the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become what? The righteousness of Christ Jesus. Very important point.
1: And, and this ties in, you know, John, when we first met, uh, we, it was winter, you know, you were yeah. you, you were at my, my house and we were looking outside and and you actually gave me this verse and I never used to really enjoy the winter season in Cleveland, but I got to tell you what a difference that made yeah. because then you see the beauty in it and uh, also kind of the rebirth in the spring.
0: Exactly and right. And so
1: anything is possible with him. Anything is possible when you're walking in the light. The issue we have to stay in the sin and the scarlet is the fact of our fear and our pride. Those are like the twin towers for me, and that keeps me separated from God. But if we just allow ourselves to know that he has forgiven us and he wants to settle up with us and bring us back, that's that's what you got to tell yourself exactly. over and over again. It's the only way to stay on track.
0: Exactly, and so many people I meet today, they go, well, I, I, god can't forgive me i did right. this i can't i'm beyond the pale I, this won't work but this saying if no matter how deep your sin is he will cover it not only that but it will be as white as snow and then he goes further when he says though they are red like crimson again crimson was one of the deepest colored dyes back in the old ancient world okay he said even this deep stain will be as wool now, not snow, but wool. And of course, why can we have wool covering us now? Because the Lamb of God shed his life for us. Therefore, we might become sheep of his pasture. Mm-hmm. We're covered with mm-hmm. this wool, with this righteousness. Mm-hmm. And we'll end there. We'll go to a break and we'll pick it up on the backside. But it's this whole idea. You can see how this first chapter of Isaiah, it's there's warning. There's impending judgment and wrath, but... What's woven through here is this call for, come on back, get things right. It's just like the world today. You know, people going this way, going that way. But every day, God is like saying, come on, return to me. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And uh, so we'll come back on the flip side of the break. We'll take time for a moment here for uh, some music. And then we'll pick it up again, David in Isaiah. And we'll see how it relates uh, into the New Testament. Welcome back. This is John Murtha coming to you from 89.1 Power FM Radio from Lorain, Ohio. And we are talking this morning about the book of Isaiah. Some call it one of the greatest prophetic books uh, in the Old Testament. And of course, it's one of the books that contain the most uh, prophecies that uh, concern our coming Lord Jesus Christ. Written 600 years, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. It's incredible in terms of of the predictions and the prophecies that are contained in this book. And I know, David, you've been doing some studying on it yourself, and the uniqueness of this book is incredible, you know, once you you really get it.
1: Yeah, you know, um, salvation is the key word uh, in this book, John. It's used 26 times, and the phrase Holy One of Israel is used 25 times. Uh, The name Isaiah means salvation is of the Lord. And you know one of the key verses when we talk about salvation, how are we going to get there, is uh, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, let's
0: turn to that. That's yeah. in uh, that's an excellent segue. Look at chapter nine, Isaiah chapter nine. And um, what you just said was very important. It's verse six.
1: Isaiah
0: 9? Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let's take a look here. Uh, for unto a, This is a counter verse to that. I got it. For unto us a child is born.
1: To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay,
0: notice a couple things here. One, it says, for unto us a child is born. That's the humanity of Christ. He was born uh, as a little mm-hmm. infant, okay? Okay. But unto us a son is given. For all eternity, he was the son of God. Mm -hmm. That's why the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. See, he's the son that's given, but he's the little child that's born. So right away we see this duality. We see the deity of Christ. We also see his humanity. He entered in. And then it says, So the government will be upon his shoulder. And again, why that's so important is when you look at verse 7, It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. He will establish it with judgment from that time forward, even forevermore. So they knew that there was a coming king that would come from the line of David, Judah, Mm -hmm. the tribe of Judah, and his reign and rulership would be eternal. David's long gone. He's buried. But this coming king would have an eternal throne, an eternal reign. Of course, we know with Jesus, he was born a king. Okay, remember even Gentiles came. Uh, the wise men came and they said, where's the king of the Jews to be born? And even in his death, uh, Pilate says, uh, put above his, you know, his charge on the, on the cross at his crucifixion, he said, you know, king of the Jews. At his birth and at his death, he was declared to be king. And of course, we know one day Jesus is coming back as Lord of Lord and king of kings. Yeah. He, he, the government will be able, so you see each one of these apply to him uh, he's called a mighty God. well you're not going to call um, a prophet like Moses or Ezekiel or Elijah the mighty God or an angel you know that this person that's coming is called a mighty God wonderful counselor. So we see these attributes again 700 years before the coming of Jesus Christ. but look at the how this chapter opens if you will and read verse 1 and two. Of chapter ne- 9.
1: Yes. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of N- Natalia. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned.
0: Okay. Now look at... It's interesting. It comes in this chapter. We oh, just yeah. talked about the birth of Christ, but it's saying here, uh, the people that lived in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now these are tribal regions up in the, up north, up in the Galilee region of Israel. Mm-hmm. They were, if you look at an old map of Israel, it's like uh, we live in, let's say, uh, you, you live in Rocky River, that's part of the, uh, Cuyahoga County. So that would be like a county Naphtali and Zebulun but this is the region of the Galilee and it's saying here it says these people that were in darkness in this region uh, they were oppressed this is where the Romans and the Assyrians would come in and oppress them the way of the sea beyond the the Jordan so it's by the Jordan in the Galilee so it's by Lake Galilee so this is the region Jesus ministered in hmm. but it's to include Gentiles because on one side of Galilee You have it's specifically Jewish on the other side is a lot of uh, uh, non-Jewish. There was Greek, there was Roman. uh, They call it the Decapolis or the 10-city region on the other side of the Galilee and the Jordan. It's saying, what does it say is going to happen? The people who walked in darkness have seen not just the light, but a great light. light. See, it's coming from that region. And then it says, those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. To include Gentiles. Do you understand? And, it's, yes. and he identifies the region. It's not coming from down by the Jerusalem or it's not coming over here. It's coming in this Galilee region. So let's see how this applies in the Gospels. And let's turn uh, to Mark uh, chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And uh, this is the famous account right previous to this. Jesus was on the other side of the Galilee. He's ministering there. He gets with his apostles in a boat at the end of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. They encounter a storm, but he's going to the other side of the Galilee, just like it said in Isaiah. Now, he gets over there, and he gets off the boat, and this guy encounters him. He's living in a cemetery, and he's demon-possessed, right? Right. Chapter 5. And he comes running out. He's got chains on him. He's crying out. He's in a bad way. Jesus, he runs up to Jesus. And the demons cry out in verse 7, uh, What do we have to do with thee, Jesus, son of the most high God? We implore you by God, do not torment us. And Jesus says, come out of him. Right? So, and this, and, it, and the, the demons plead to go into the pigs. This tells you it's Gentile area. This is not, you understand this no, I, principle? No, I didn't understand that oh, yeah. before. Oh yeah. yeah, this is the other side of the Galilee. This is Gentile area. That's mm-hmm. why you see all these pigs in such a mm-hmm. big multitude pigs was an unclean product yeah food product for the jewish people and so the demons begged him saying send us out the swine and so they they go out they run into the sea they drown themselves the 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 pigs do and then it says then they came to jesus are the one who, and then it says down here the one who was demon possessed it says in verse what does it say in verse 16
1: those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region.
0: Even today, there's there's places in the world that people plead and won't allow the gospel to come in. They don't want Jesus to come in. They, might, they shut down yeah. the Internet. They shut down. They don't want the gospel. Right. Same thing back then, same thing today. But
1: it says in verse 18... Um, as jesus was getting into the boat the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him there 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 you have
0: humanity today some people are begging jesus to go away some people are begging to follow jesus that's humanity Mm -hmm. today it just is Mm -hmm. jesus says to the man uh go home tell your friends what great things the lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you you see he's counselor remember those phrases we Mm -hmm. saw so when you go back to isaiah chapter 9 a great light has come to the Gentiles. Those that sat in the shadow of death, where was this man living? In a cemetery. Yeah. It says he was in the place of the tombs, mm-hmm. verse two. Right. It fulfills it perfectly. Yeah. Wow. Now how can you have that? You know, I mean how can you have this such high prophetic accuracy yes. unless it was it's yeah. true, you know right. it's organized by God.
1: Well the other thing that strikes me, John, is is uh, you know, throughout um, um, our show we also were talking about the Trinity and the deity of Christ. And again, this just uh, clearly demonstrates that fact, especially when the demons are calling him, you know, mighty God, you know. And and you take a look at it, it all ties together with the deity of Christ. It It all ties together. It
0: has to. Otherwise, it just breaks down too quickly. And so uh, we'll stay in the New Testament just for a minute, but look at Luke, uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter four, you see something very interesting happen here. Here's where Jesus goes into the synagogue, right? Yep. He's that? tested in the
1: wilderness, uh, and then he for, comes out. Uh-huh. And where
0: does he go then? Does it?
1: Okay. Which, which verse do you want? Uh, to chapter four. Let's start with verse sixteen. Okay, verse sixteen. He went to Nazareth, where he had where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as he was accustomed. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. How do you like that? Mm -hmm. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written.
0: Now, go Go on, go on.
1: The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.
0: Do you see this? Wow! Now, what's interesting here? Remember, we opened up by talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes, he could have actually been that's handling yeah. one of those <laughs> scrolls because <laughs> those scrolls come from that time period.
1: the 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 the, 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 um, the Bible text that he read is what we're reading today. Exactly the, right, and, and that's the beauty of it with over ninety eight percent accuracy, and that's something. It's incredible! Wow! So he, he's
0: making this proclamation, yeah. he, and right after that, he closes the book. It says in verse twenty, and gives it back. But again, if you go to Isaiah chapter 61,
1: okay, you want to go it's, there it's now? the exact thing yeah.
0: that he was reading. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. That's where we get the word gospel. To the poor, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, yep. to set at liberty uh, the captives, and to open the prison doors to the doors. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, you see? Boy. But he stops there. He doesn't say, in the day of his vengeance, which is the next phrase in verse uh, 2. Because he came the first time to proclaim the good news. Second time he comes, he comes to bring the wrath right. of God. You see? Yeah. So he yeah. stops right there on yeah. a comma. It's very interesting <laughs> in the Gospels. He, he's, Did anybody
1: call him on that and ask him to continue?
0: No, they want to kill him.
1: Well, I know, right. But so he paused there and that was it. Huh?
0: Yeah, he ends up okay. here, he says, to proclaim the acceptable. Uh, Lord's th- favor, yeah, th- th- I see th- that. He see he, ex- he doesn't move it forward. Right. And the day of vengeance, mm-hmm. he stops on the, yeah. uh, you, this is the accuracy of the scripture. Mm. He did not come to preach the wrath. Mm-hmm. In a sense, he's different than Isaiah. He's not preaching a wrath, but he is preaching a warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Repent and flee the wrath to come, you know. So, again, the more we get into the book of Isaiah, the more we see how this thing is really, really, really fulfilled. Yeah.
1: And, you know, John, uh, one of the other key verses I wrote down is in Isaiah 53, 6, where we talk about him being the salvation, and then it, it reads, all, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So then, it talks about how he's going to be that sheep and that ultimate sacrifice for us too, which which really rounds out uh, Isaiah. You know, it comes full circle, right? Well,
0: if you go to Isaiah fifty-three, I mean, yeah. that that we're in uh, the heart of the gospel message yeah. here, so to speak. Yeah. But it says here, um, even before that, in, in in Isaiah fifty-two, God says, "Behold, my servant; uh, shall deal prudently. <laughs> he shall be exalted, extolled very high." Just as many were astonished at him, his very body, his image, was marred more than any man. He was so tortured and yeah. brutalized. Yeah. Uh, but then it says, in the next verse, he says, um, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard, they shall In other words, it's going to be worldwide what happens to him. It's going to be proclaimed. That's why Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw a unto me. And then it goes into what you just talked about. If you start in chapter 53, just look at verse number one.
1: Yeah, who who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In other
0: words, who's believing this message? Well, you got part of humanity does part, but it says what about him? Verse two.
1: He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him; nothing in his appearance that we should desire him.
0: What does that tell you?
1: Well, he wasn't a great looking guy. Yeah, he was just, it's just common. Yeah.
0: that's why they needed somebody like Judas to identify him huh. in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. He wasn't like it says of Saul; he was a real tall yeah. guy, or Joseph in the Old Testament was yeah. strikingly handsome. He wasn't. Yeah, you see, and it says. He's a root out of dry ground. He comes out of Nazareth. This was the backwoodsy country. He mm-hmm. wasn't in Jerusalem or Damascus
1: mm-hmm. or some uh, highfalutin city at that time. And then it says what? He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain.
0: Is he still despised and rejected by men today?
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. Jesus
0: is one of the only swear words that people use of a founder of a religion. All my years in Asia, I never heard them use Buddha, you know, in a slanderous way. I never heard Muslims use the word Muhammad, but people use the name of Jesus in a slanderous huh. way. in a curse. Did you ever think of that? No, I did. Well, yeah.
1: I, I never understood it anyway. He but, is
0: despised and rejected yeah. by men. Hmm. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we all hid, as it were, our faces from him. <coughs> Even his followers ran from him when he was being crucified. They hid their faces. They yes, didn't... they did. He was despised. We did not esteem him. He has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Do you see? This is so important. Yeah. That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He's carrying it. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God. Do you understand that? That's a very important point. People think, well, who killed Jesus? Why did they kill Jesus? It was God's plan to kill Jesus. And a lot of people don't understand that. And if you go to Acts chapter 4, you see this clearly. Um, a very important point. And, and people should never blame this group or that group because, oh, they, they killed Jesus or, or, or whatever you have. But if you look at chapter 4, the Acts yep. of the Apostles, and look at verse 27.
1: Okay, verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Okay.
0: who who's who's conspiring to kill him? Who? What people groups are present there?
1: The, um, the Gentiles um, conspire. The people of Israel, Israel,
0: yeah. kings, yep. rulers, right? Just like the Bible said, yeah. right? Yeah. All these people groups are there. Yeah. It's really representative of humanity, mm-hmm. right? They all came together to kill him. But look at verse twenty-eight to do whatever your hand and your purpose determine before to be done. So whose plan was it that Jesus be crucified?
1: Yeah, it was God. God's plan. Right. Right. God's
0: plan. That's why John introduced him behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's why it says in <laughs> Revelation the lamb that was slain before the foundations mm-hmm. of the world. It was in God's plan. Is he mm-hmm. etern- Now he used human beings to to do this but ultimately, it was his plan.
1: You know, John, it is, it, for some reason, what struck me while, while we were reading some of these verses is he has taken all of our sin in. We are forgiven. Right. He has already taken that upon him. We're watching an old movie with the enemy. Right. And I think that's where all the problems occur for us as Christians. We forget that this has already been accomplished. So we're forgiven, we can move on, we don't have to live in the past. Right. And I think, you know, even for myself every day and my family, I have to remind myself that that's the old movie. You know, burn it. Exactly. You know, get rid of it. Stop going into the movie theater, people, because he is he's made us reborn. We are renewed. And I think that's where the enemy comes in. That's why I initially said about pride and fear. And and we forget that we're okay. You can come to Christ regardless of where you are now. Because the burden has already been lifted from you. It's just you physically getting yourself out of the chair and walking forward. He can't help you if you don't move. I had a dream about that, as you know, when I had some issues with uh, when we lost one of our businesses. And if you don't move, he can't help you. And he wants you to come to him and get away from that old movie screen. That's the best way I can visualize it today and you know the best way I can communicate to the people out there.
0: I think you bring up a good point, David, because many Christians today are living under a heavy burden of forgiven yes. sins yeah. because yeah. they're not releasing themselves, that it's been paid for. And so they're still living under guilt. And see, one of the titles of Satan is accuser, this voice that accuses you. Mm-hmm. Are you really mm-hmm. forgiven? Can you have a new life? Mm-hmm. You say you're a Christian. You see, all these kind of things are coming through. But it's done, it's finished, just like that snow yeah. that covered the junkyard. Right. Yeah. It's it's finished, and so we, he wants this to go from the courtroom yeah. into the living room.
1: Yeah, and, and this is Pleasantville, right? That's yeah. the movie I want to be in. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know why I continually sometimes go down the hall to the other one. <laughs> because it's part of the renewing of
0: our mind, yeah. but it's also standing on the promises <clears throat> of God. Because. Right. Sometimes we think, well, look what I did or Mm whatever. But in a a very real sense, Paul says, look, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, he says, my old self is dead. Paul was a religious terrorist. If you study the book Mm -hmm. of Acts, he was hunting down Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death. He had a terrible past. He was very religious, but he had a terrible past. If he lived under the guilt of that, his ministry would have been greatly diminished because he would have carried all that no, guilt kidding. that were was forgiven. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 just like all of us and our listeners today and me and you and Mark and everybody that has been put on Christ, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And just like that guy that was living in a cemetery, we just read about in Mark, he was chained up living in a cemetery, no peace, no joy. He left that cemetery. Yes. And he had a message you see i'm saying he was fully clothed he left that and so too you know we're different we're changed now and uh you go back to isaiah 53 and we'll start wrapping it up here but it says um uh, verse five but he was wounded for our trend not his transgressions he was wounded for our transgressions right he didn't do nothing wrong he was bruised for our iniquities he, nobody could find Jesus guilty. No. Even Pilate says, I can't find nothing wrong with this man. I'm going to wash my hands of this whole thing. Judas says, I betrayed innocent blood. The centurion at the cross says, truly, this was a son of God. The one thief on the cross this said, I've, this man has done nothing wrong. All these people that were <laughs> believers are attesting to, to Jesus' uh, sinlessness. Mm-hmm. He's got nothing wrong with them, right. you see. But it says, for our iniquities... The chastisement of our peace was on him. By his stripes we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's Isaiah. That's Remember early in in Isaiah, he talked about how they're yeah, going this way and that right. way. But the Lord has laid on him what?
1: The, in, the iniquity in, of all of us. us. Of all of us yeah. That's
0: why a good friend of mine.
1: He'll, I hope everybody heard that, all of us. Yeah, all <laughs> of
0: us. There's nobody beyond the reach of Christ. But again, people resisted. They rejected it whatever and here opens the famous one in verse seven if you want to read that to you.
1: he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before it shears is silent oh. so he did not open his mouth he,
0: he 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 remember jesus says no man taketh my life from me i just i lay it down right. willingly the other thing he says i told peter he says don't you know i could call 12 legions of angels if i wanted but in so in a sense nobody took his life i mean they did crucify him but he willingly laid his life down he was a you know and it says here uh he didn't if you study the trials there's really really six trials of jesus when you study the gospel three were civil and three are religious but he never defended himself he never uh, they were just beside themselves when he didn't say anything quite honestly even even Pilate says, Don't you know I have the power to let you go? Or to, you know, he says, You have no power at all except that he's given you from above. So he's he's basically saying, You know, it's not yours anyhow. And it says, He was taken from prison and from uh, judgment. There's the judgments. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of living. That means death. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken, killed. Mm hmm. And they made his grave with the wicked remember. He died, he died with wicked men. Remember the uh, thieves, yes. guilty wicked men. Uh, but what the rich at his death? Where was he buried?
1: In a rich. Man's it's in tomb. a rich man's tomb. Yeah.
0: So you see how the the high detail of prophetic fulfillment is is moving in here. And then of course it says, uh, because he has done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. In other words, he even when he was on the cross, he wasn't. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what what they they do. do. So even on the cross, you see his humanity and his deity. When he says, I thirst, which was one of his seven sayings, that was his humanity. But when he says to the thief on the cross, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Well, who has the right to to say to somebody, I'll bring you in? Only God himself.
1: himself. So do you see
0: his deity, his humanity, his suffering, his victory? everything is right there he was god
1: on earth he's what god embodies with us where we're allowed to be renewed we talked about this at the start of the new year when people are doing their resolutions people this is the resolution right now when you're a christian you're renewed every day every minute yeah and as long as you think that way it's a much different world it's a much different place
0: so thank you mark for for hosting us today um we look forward to a good show next week. God willing, we have some special guests coming in, David. We know that we got right. a good lineup coming up. Yes. And um, again, uh, listeners, uh, tune in. Uh, this is uh, Power 89.1 FM radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Uh, it's a privilege. It's a blessing to even have this station sure here. sure is. We're very blessed. Uh, it, we're here. getting uh, reports in, people that are streaming it and following on Facebook, even as far as we had a real good letter. We're going to start reading some of these letters that are coming from should. California. Yep. The one from Cincinnati yes. last week. So I just want to uh, say God's richest blessing on everybody that was tuned in this morning. And remember that uh, as you study Isaiah chapter 53, you'll say it's for everybody. You know, every nobody is beyond the reach of God's forgiveness and his grace. Amen. Maybe somebody out there feels bad today or going into the new year. Uh, but just knew, know that you can have more than just a new year. You can have a new life in Christ. Absolutely. So God bless you. God bless you Have guys. a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.